0: Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. God always has something going on that we don't know about. There's always a bigger picture to the circumstance and situation that we're in. He's always working in our lives. There isn't a moment in time when God is not at work. For the believer in Christ, you can have confidence today that God is working all things together for the good for those that love Him and those that are called according to His purpose. All of us. And it's true. God just needs one person in agreement. I mean, really, if you think about it, God doesn't need anybody. But he's chosen to condescend to our level and he's chosen to use us.
1: This is amazing
0: grace. This is unfailing.
1: you could make it. This is Abounding Grace. We're just getting started in a new series from Pastor Ed Taylor called, Into Faith We Go. In Hebrews, we're told that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So to say our faith is important to the Lord would be an understatement. Throughout our lives, God will call us to walk by faith. At times, it's uncomfortable and will require change. That was certainly the case for the children of Israel in Joshua chapter 3, Maybe you're at a place, even as we speak, where God is calling you to take a step of
0: faith. Let's see together how we can move past our fears into the place the Lord has for us. If taking steps of faith and walking in regular obedience was easy, everybody would be doing it all the time. But it's challenging because it's the mixture of the spiritual realm and God's goodness and holiness with our imperfect humanity. Oh, it's true. We are new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're born again, changed forever from the inside out. But we still are walking in these carcasses, these bodies with the brain that isn't redeemed yet, with old sinful habit patterns. And some of you haven't developed a faith walk because you're afraid. You're afraid people again that like to think ahead and like to know what's happening like to control things get really afraid because God only reveals things one step at a time you want to know what's going to happen 20 years from now and God wants you to pay attention to what's happening 20 seconds from now that what's right in front of you I've come to to the conclusion that there's a part of me that would like to know 20 years but but I really don't want to know 20 years from now I really don't want to know because if God showed me, I'd probably try to rearrange my life to avoid all the pain and suffering that's in my life. All the things that God is using to make me the man that he wants me to be. I would probably choose a more comfortable, easy life if God wasn't leading me step by step, moment by moment. So back in chapter 3, God is just affirming to Joshua among all the people, look Joshua, I'm with you and I'm going to magnify you among the people. They're going to trust you. You're going to be okay. Verse 8, you will command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites the termites. No, that's not there. They're all ites. All the enemies in the land. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the, all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass. Right? You've got to compare. Verse 10. He will without fail, and it shall come to pass as the souls of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. That's who's leading you. He's not merely a higher power. He's not merely a God, little g of many gods. He is the Lord of all the earth. That's who you're following, Joshua. That's who you're following, Calvary. The Lord of all the earth. So it shall come to pass that when you're the feet of the priests, their feet shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. And the waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand as a heap. This is going to require faith. This is going, this step of obedience is going to require faith. Because if you have been to Israel, if you've been to Israel with us, you know, you're kind of thinking of the Jordan River in your mind, especially where we do the baptism, and you're thinking, put my feet in the water of the Jordan, what's the big deal? Like you can look across the bank where we baptize. It's about, I don't know, 40 feet or so. It's not very wide. The water doesn't move very fast. I mean, you go up toward the banyas and the head, the water's coming down can move pretty fast if there's a good rainfall. But down most of the Jordan today isn't what it was like because now through the irrigation and how it's, all these tributaries are coming off, the Jordan is, is more like a creek today than it is a big, mighty, rushing river. So, so for the folks that are living this out The Jordan generally around the time, you know, general around normally was about 100 feet wide, but during harvest time, as it says, or the springtime, you could have the Jordan moving so fast that it could be in some places over a mile wide, a fast, moving, rushing water. For them to stand in this rushing water was a step of faith because Joshua, the priests, are leading the nation. Leaders, they're called leaders because they what? They lead. Leaders have to be up front. Leaders have to be the chief examples. Or as Jesus said, the chief servants. He gave us the example. And these guys are going to go and the faith in their life is going to spread because they have the backdrop. This is very different than when they came out of Egypt. This is a nation that was in slavery in Egypt. For those of you that know the Bible, you remember God raised up a man by the name of Moses, sent him to the leader of the known world at the time, Pharaoh of Egypt. And he went up and told Pharaoh, let my people go. And it's that time in the scriptures where all the plagues were sent by God upon Egypt to move Pharaoh to let his people go. And time after time after time until finally, losing the first one, he goes, get out of here. Get out. And so Moses led them. They plundered the Egyptians. They took their stuff and they left. And they're heading at that moment into the promised land. This is 40 years before we're here in Joshua 3. And remember, as they're leaving, they get right up to the Red Sea, which is impassable. They're not a million people at this time. There are probably a couple hundred thousand at this time leaving Egypt. And they're at the Red Sea and it's impassable. Not only that. But to the left of them and to the right of them are mountains. and They're incapable of getting over those mountains because there's a worse thing than the Red Sea and the mountains, and that is behind them, the Egyptians are after them. Pharaoh said to go, but then he changed his mind, and he sent his armies to go get them and either kill them or bring them back. So what God did was lead this nation into a trap. What seems to be a trap? There is no way out. Listen, I know that there are some among us listening right now that feel like you're trapped where you are. You see no way out. You, you don't see anything going forward. You're looking to the left and you're looking to the right. I don't see any way out. You're kind of thinking back, you know, doubling back your steps and going back a few. But when you look back, you go, no, there's no way I can go back. And you feel trapped. And feeling trapped has made you very fearful, very concerned. You might have even begun to take things into your own hands to try to fix this thing. So, can I ask you a question and answer this out loud? Is it possible that God led you into that trap? Yes or no? It's very possible. We see God many times bringing out and pressing in and allowing circumstances to bring us to the place of what? Looking to Him. All these other times, leaving, looking, watching, planning, has never really required you to look to God. But now you're in this place where you don't see a way out. And I know many of you have learned this, and some of you are going to learn it for the first time. Listen, God can make a way when there is no way. And you remember in the Red Sea, you know how God did it? He just said, hey, Mo, lift up your staff. And that's what he did. And what happened? The waters parted. They all crossed on dry ground. And then right when they got to the other, the Egyptian army caught up. And what did God do? Let the waters drown them. And he took care of it all. He took care of the trap and he took care of the enemy. And they moved forward. God can do the same for you. Now, 40 years later, they're in a different place. None of this. Hey, Joshua, can't you just lift your hand? You know, can't you just talk to the waters? Like, I know what Moses did. We used to do it this way. And, and Joshua says, no, God said you need to stand in the waters. That—that That is, you must stand in the waters. You can imagine. The Bible doesn't give us that, but just being human, you can imagine. There had to be questions. Well, what if? What if? What if I lose my footing? What if I fall in? What if God doesn't come through? What if? And it's so easy to what if faith and just what if God out of the equation. It's going to require faith. Before the waters would dry, the priests had to put their feet in. They had to stand in the rushing floodwaters of the Jordan. Why? Because God is always taking us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. He's taking this nation now to another faith step. It is their faith step. It is what God's doing in their generation. And he wants to teach us how to walk by faith like Enoch. What was Enoch remembered for? He, by faith, he walked with God. The lifestyle, the manner of his life, the progress of his life was with God, not without God. And so God is teaching them now these lessons of faith. The waters won't part until you get there. Yeah, but what about this? It won't happen until you obey. You won't get, this is so frustrating to many. You want things planned out. Like you want to know exactly you, like, okay, I'll step out in faith if you show me what's going to happen 10 steps from now. Listen, you'll never be revealed. The second step of faith will never be revealed until you take the first step. It's step number one. Stand in the waters and see what the Lord might do. As you step in, as you're standing there, as you're wondering what's going to happen, that exciting change takes place. That beautiful agreement. I want to show you something. Turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 14. First Samuel chapter 14. Because in stirring of faith, you need to make a choice of what kind of person you want to be and what kind of people you want to hang out with. Now, this, this particular true story in the Bible has ministered to me for many, 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 many years. As I began to study the Bible with Pastor Chuck Smith using cassette tapes, one at a time. Now, those of you that don't know what a cassette tape is, Google it after service. And one of the most fascinating studies I've ever had in my life was the very first time I heard 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and Chronicles taught to me. And this particular episode in the life of Jonathan, the son of King Saul, is a dramatic addition to my life. Such a beautiful picture of faith. So notice, if you will, in verse one, it says, now it happened one day. Let's stop right there. Do you know that everything happens the same way? Every single, you can say anything that God has ever done in your life, you can look back and say, now it happened one day. You know, we have a tendency to complain about the days and complain about, oh, it's so long. I can't wait for the weekend. I want, and you're missing all the days that God wants to use in your life. It happened one day. It happened today. And for looking back on Jonathan's life, it happened one day, notice, that Jonathan, the son of King Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, who's often known as the armor bearer, his armor bearer, come, let us go over to the Philistines garrison that's on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people didn't know that Jonathan had gone. Now between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sinai. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash, and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then check this out, verse 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Check this out. It may be, those are words of faith. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Jonathan not only has a relationship with God, but he has the right concept of the greatness of God. What does he say? Hey, you know, this is a war scene, by the way. So this is a war scene being unveiled before us. The king has about 600 men, but Jonathan is there with his armor bearer, and he says, you know what? God is great. God is powerful. And he can can win with one of us, or he can win with all of us. But let's go over and see, maybe God will do something today. Let's go take that step. Maybe God will do something. And I love it. His armor bearer says, do all that's in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to all your heart. Look, you either want to be Jonathan or his armor bearer. And you want to hang out with people that are like Jonathan or like his armor bearer. You certainly don't want to hang out with faithless people where God places some on your heart and they go, oh, that'll never happen. Oh, that's not true. Oh, you don't believe that. Oh, that's... No, 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 no. You want to have somebody like his armor bearer goes, hey, let's do it. Anything that's in your heart. Because it's the same picture as we see with Joshua. The armor bearer did not hear directly from God, even though he knew God. He heard from Jonathan. And Jonathan received from the Lord. And together, they're going to go. And here's what they're, here's what they're suggesting. The two of them are going to completely take on the Philistine armies by themselves. All by themselves. They're not going to tell anybody about it. But I love what he does here. He sets, up, he sets it up in such a way where he's not going to step out in presumption and test or tempt the Lord. He says in verse, verse 8, Jonathan said, Very well, let's cross over to these men and we'll show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, Wait until we come to you, then we'll stand still in our place and not go up. But if they say thus, come up to us, then we'll go up. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So we know that one of the ways that God leads us is through open doors and closed doors. And so he's setting up and he's saying, look, if this is what they say, then we just know it's not from the Lord. But if they say this, then it's, it's, it is on. We, we know that God has set this up. So it says in verse 11, and you might want to mark this, so both of them showed themselves to the garrison. You know, I like to teach in the school ministry here, and I also teach the guys of the team that we have. I always like to remind us that we is the language of ministry. It's not I. Nobody serves God all by themselves, individually, although we do have personal responsibility. We serve together, We are a team. We go forward together so that when Jonathan says, let's go, the answer is, let's go. We'll go. Not only is there a relationship with us individually, like in in the human realm, but more importantly, we is the language of ministry with God because we never do anything without God. Nothing of eternal value happens without God. Nothing of eternal significance happens without God. Now, you can go out and do a lot of great deeds. You can do a lot of great things. You can even do them in, in the name of God. But without Him, without Jesus, we are nothing. Nothing. We is always the language of ministry. And you see that. If you look for it throughout the Scriptures, you will see it everywhere. Like it says in here in verse 11, So both of them both of them. God gave this impression to Jonathan, but the armor bearer is so tight with them, so let's go do it together. And they show themselves to the garrison, verse 11, and the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden, which was kind of a mockery. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we'll show you something. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan And as he came after them. His armor bearer killed them. And the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within a half hour or a half acre of land. You know, when you're stepping out to obey God, oftentimes you like, I would not go against the whole garrison of the Philistines. But you can see what God had planned. What God had planned for Jonathan, his armor bearer, was not to take on the whole uh, group of the Philistines and the enemy. It was just a few of them that needed to be taken care of. And a few of them were taken down. And look what the next verse says. Now there was trembling in the camp. Because God always has something going on that we don't know about. There's always a bigger picture to the circumstance and situation that we're in. He's always working in our lives. There isn't a moment in time when God is not at work in our lives. And for the believer in Christ, you can have confidence today that God is working all things together for the good for those that love Him and those that are called according to His purpose. All of us. And it's true. God just needs one person in agreement. I mean, really, if you think about it, God doesn't need anybody. But He's chosen to condescend to our level, and He's chosen to use us. All He needs is one. Imagine what He can accomplish through so many. Imagine what He can accomplish as we gather together, and we're excited about what God wants to do, and we remember that we're in this together. And the heart and foundation of this church, having been here for all the years, having been a part of this, and watch God, ups and downs, The heart of this church is hundreds if not thousands of small, faithful steps by believers. I look back in my own life. You know, I'm not always happy with what I see in my life as a believer. I haven't always, and I'm not always this great man of faith. There's actually been many times as I look back in episodes in my life where I wasn't a man of faith at all, where I doubted God, where I was afraid, where I lacked courage. I I mean, I have desperately sought God on a few occasions. One in particular, where I was so desperate for God to do a work, and the answer to my prayer was the exact opposite of what I prayed for. And it shot an arrow right into the heart of my trust and reliance upon God. But I think back, because every true leader has to remember to get our eyes off of people And back on to God. It's not about our faithfulness. Remember that. It's not about your faithfulness or mine. Because the Bible says that even when we are faithless, He remains faithful. Because He can't deny Himself. And so as we choose to look to the author and finisher of our faith, as we choose to look at the one that builds our faith, as we choose to look at the one that gives us faith, as we cry out like the disciples do, increase our faith, our eyes must be on the God who is faithful. God is faithful, church. God is faithful. And his word will come to pass. The question is, as we launch off into a clear slate, clean slate, what is God doing in your life? What impressions has he given to you? Who are you? Are you Jonathan? Are you the armor bearer? Or are you the complainer? Are you the murmurer? Are you the one wasting your days? Are you the one throwing them aside? Are you the one that, unlike we're taught in the scriptures, the Bible teaches us we need to be like a soldier. We need to be lean. We need to cast away the things that burden us and the things that weigh us down. We need to not be caught up in the affairs of this life. You know, we are only passing through, church. Earth is not our destination. Earth is not our destination. There's coming a day when you will take your last breath on earth. Your eyes will close. And the next millisecond, your next breath and your eyes will open in the presence of Jesus Christ. And every tear will be wiped away. Every wrong will be made right. And you will be in his presence forevermore. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of His glorious face. And the way that we live in eternity is by faith. That we live for Him and to Him and in Him.
1: That's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And we just completed the first of four messages in a series called Into Faith We Go. You can hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're at AboundingGraceRadio.com. More and more people these days are accessing our teachings through our app. Not only is it super convenient, but it's easy, too. You can download that right now. Search for Calvary Aurora and start listening to Pastor Ed through your mobile devices. Well, as you know, Valentine's Day falls within the month of February. And with that in mind, we thought we'd recommend a book that can be of some help to our single listeners in particular. It's called A Love Letter Life and written by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. They write, if you can fall into love, you can fall out. True love is something you choose to live out each day through your actions, decisions, and sacrifices. That's just a taste of what you'll receive in A Love Letter Life. Learn how to date intentionally, pursue creatively, and love faithfully. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Reach us toll free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Thank you for your generous support. It is one huge avenue of God's supply and helps us cover some of the costs of being on the radio. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You're in for a real treat tomorrow on Abounding Grace. We'll be hearing from Pastor Ed's son, Joshua Taylor. He'll be sharing a message from 1 Samuel 14 called, Follow the Leader. This is amazing grace.